Oh, amen. So before we get started, I, I, I want to have we have a, I want to call a special guest up here, uh, Liz, uh, to just share share in two minutes uh, just some stuff about the trip, you know, whatever the Lord's put on her heart to share. Uh, so go ahead, Liz. You could come up here. Hello. Um, so yeah, so quickly, two minutes about the trip. Um, you'll probably hear more about it, so I don't have much time, but um, an angel might share a bit right now. Um, just a few highlights. I would say that, of course, as we encourage everyone on all missions trips um, to go on missions trips, because it's not just serving the people, but God always ministers to you in a personal way. It's a good way of just kind of getting away, something about being far, far away, the Lord could just uh, speak to you, and even having no electricity at times, or running the water, so it's just, it's just time with the Lord, God speaks to you, um, so God showed me some personal things, and also, um, one of the pastor's conference we had, the theme verse was 1 Timothy 4, 6, 4, 12, 4, 12, uh, being, in, uh, as Paul exhorts Timothy to be an example to the believers, um, you know, it says in faith and love and purity and conduct. So the different speakers spoke on each one of those. And um, it really spoke to us. Um, as the pastor said, you know, we thought it was for the pastor's conference, but it was actually for the group. Well, it was for everyone, but that really spoke to us. And that was at the beginning of the group. So just very new to be that example. And, and, and God spoke to me in that. And also seeing all the pastors there, especially our leader, Marvin, Pastor Marvin, and his wife, Sylvia. I learned a lot from them just watching them. And I just learned a lot about leadership, um, just watching them, a lot of things. Um, God's been teaching me and molding me, um, so it was really cool. And then one of the highlights of one of the places we went to, um, was it a Calvary Chapel? I thought they said it was Calvary Chapel, okay. Um, one of the guys in our group, it was his sister-in-law's like little ministry. Um, it's called, it was called the Plan, the place. So it was, they brought us into like this little shed. It was really tiny and it was raining. It was pouring hard and they had like a ceiling and like walls, but it wasn't completely covered. And there was a bunch of kids in there, but they said they have 150 kids total. In there was probably maybe like 50 maybe at most. But um, yeah, so she let some of, the, some of the people share their testimonies and what they do there. Some of the older girls, um, she, they had babies themselves, but they were saying how all of the stories were similar. To me, it touched me because they were saying that um, their mothers died um, and their fathers were alcoholics and the alcoholic, the fathers kicked them out of the homes and the way it was raining like that and they don't have anything like man that just tore my heart and I feel like I related to them more because um, you know me and Angel both grew up you know in, in broken homes but it really touched me just understanding them in that way that um, the dad was alcoholic and yeah they would kick like all sometimes six kids they'll have six kids and they have nowhere to go nowhere to live and that little place is the, they help them with school but they also teach them the bible so to go to school it was i did the math it was roughly around 450 american dollars to send a kid to school for the for the year and they don't have money at times to even go to school and um, they'll have six kids like i said so they have to pick and choose maybe which kid and then during covid you know how they sent them home with the packet they left them on their own. They didn't have no help. They don't know what to do. The parents didn't even go to school, so they don't, you know, they don't know what to do. So that place helped them, and it runs all off of volunteers. So just volunteers, and um, so it was really awesome. So that, and then we spoke to a boy that was one of the older ones. He was 14. He um, he didn't have a dad either. I think he lives with his grandma, and um, they have nowhere to live. And and then at the end, like he asked for a Bible, and I was like, you guys don't have Bibles? And he said he actually wanted a Bible, you know. And I asked the lady in charge at the end and if, if they didn't need Bibles and she said yeah they actually need Bibles 
So the fact that a kid was asking for one, you know, and um, so it was on my heart to want to help them out to donate. Um, I mean, only 450 American dollars, you know, to send it to the school. And it's different. It's not like school over here where they're brainwashing them. You know, they're actually teaching them, you know, school. And, and sometimes they said girls that are up to 12 years old, um, they work their whole life like in tortillas, making tortillas with their families in the shop, but they've never been to school. And I'm like, I'm 12 years old and they never went to school their whole life. So that really touched me to help them and then um, to donate Bibles. So we're going to try to get a hold of who we need to over there. And then if we do do something, we'll let you guys know if you guys want to donate. Um, but yeah, so that was really on my heart to help them out. I think it's cool because it's not just they're helping them with school, but it's like they're teaching them the Bible. So it's really awesome. But yeah, just a lot of sad stories and in, in, in a good way that touched our hearts. And, and you could just feel the Holy Spirit when we went into certain towns that a town that was destroyed by a volcano in 2017 it was just man like it was just it's a lot but I'm out of time so Angel will <laughs> when, uh, five seconds over coming out of your check um, and this check uh, uh, just so much on the trip you know um, so many highlights but uh, one thing I wanted to to just uh, tell you guys about um so yeah it was cool you know because saturday we did a, a, a pastor's conference you know with all pa- calvary chapel pastors you know it, there was probably like eight like eight or nine calvary chapel pastors on that trip you know guys from moreno valley from uh, santa santa Ana, vista pomona you know wascovina pastor tony me myself um so there were the eight pastors and more and more other uh, just uh, servants you know just all of us were just servants but it was cool because we did this pastor's conference a calvary chapel pastor's conference at a at a pentecostal church and they received us so well. They received us so well. We didn't go over there promoting Calvary Chapel. You know, we just went to go equip them. And they just received us so well. And it was really cool just to see, uh, again, what the Lord did to that conference and how the Lord equipped these pastors, you know. And it was just so cool serving them, just being one body, you know. And it was just amazing. Um, uh, while we we're down there, we, we got to meet this, this, uh, this dude, uh, Giovanni. You know, he's a pastor as well. He's actually, he came out of Calvary Chapel Rosarito. Uh, he's 29 years old. You know, he, he, and he's been a missionary in Guatemala for a year. You know, so he's Mexican. He was born in Mexico. He got saved four years ago. He, he started going to Calvary Chapel Rosarito. Uh, he never went to Bible college, but he jumped straight into the church planting program. And from there, they sent him out, and he, and he went to Guatemala to plant a church. So he's been there for a year now. He's doing a little home church. Uh, it's, well, they don't have a building, you know, but he, he has a church. It's about, like, three people. He's been laboring away for a whole year for about three people. You know, so that's, that, that encouraged me, you know, that, man, God, again, how Pastor Chuck would always say, that God doesn't call the qualified, you know, God, God qualifies those who are called. And that's a perfect example right there. And so he's been laboring away. We've got to stay with him at his house, you know, and, uh, and the Lord bless us there. Um, it's really cool because as we were there, one thing I really want to share with you guys is that, uh, you know, I've, 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 I've mentioned it to you guys that, you know, I really believe that the Lord is going to use this church to, 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 to plant more churches. You know, in some way, you know, and, 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 and I, I know that the Lord has showed that, you know, he put that on my heart. He showed that to me. And I just, I was like, Lord, how? You know, we're just a little church here in City Terrace. How's that going to happen? You know, and um, awesome at this trip, you know, the Lord made it happen. <laughs> so throughout this trip, uh, we, got up, we got hooked up with different guys, you know, and uh, Pastor Marvin's been doing trips there for years already, you know. So he's the one who makes all the connections. And through this trip that, that we're on right now, uh, the, Lord, the Lord just brought people together. You know, and the long story short, the Lord brought five guys, you know, who, who Giovanni is going to disciple, you know, and, and, and groom up, you know, and, and so they could be Calvary Chapel pastors. Uh, out of these five guys, three guys are, are already pastoring or they're in the ministry in some, in some way, but they want to become a Calvary Chapel church. 
you know, they love the ministry. They've known Pastor Marvin for years. They, they love the way we teach verse by verse. They want to, they, they love our distinctive. So, so, so Giovanni is going gonna, is gonna to disciple them, you know, and, and, and so they could be Calvary Chapel churches. The rest, the other two guys are, are brand new. You know, they, I mean, they've been walking with the Lord for a while, but, but they want to be, they, they want to be pastors. So, and so we ordained one of them. And, the other, and so Giovanni's going to, again, pour into those two guys as well. And, and, uh, and, and God willing, you know, just pour into them and, and, uh, and then so they can become Calvary Chapel churches as well. So it's cool that the Lord brought us five guys and Giovanni's going to disciple these guys. And Calvary Chapel City Terrace, you know, we're going to provide for them all the tools that they need. Uh, books, Calvary Chapel Distinctives, Philosophy of Ministry, uh, um, uh, books on leadership. We're going to provide for them all the, all the spiritual tools that they need in order to grow in their calling as pastors, in order to, to grow in their calling you know, as leaders, and in order to, to, to shepherd the flock that, that God is, is, gonna, is, is giving them and is going to give them. And then as a, as a, as a, as a occasion demands, we're also going to sponsor them so they could uh, uh, get a building or, or just start the work. You know, so keep that in prayer because... Here we are in a little church in City Terrace, and the Lord is going to use us to raise up pastors in Guatemala. You know, and that's by supporting Giovanni, by supporting them with these tools that they need. And, and, and I just think it's amazing because, uh, you know, one thing that the Lord was showing me on this trip is, you know, it's not about how big your church is, but it's about how you multiply yourself. You know, and, and, and we could be in this little church, you know, and, and, and we multiply ourselves by, again, pouring into these other guys, you know, providing people with tools. And, and that's what the Lord is doing. You know, here we, here we are, this little church, and God is using us to multiply, you know, and to pour into other guys so that more churches can come out of that. So keep that in prayer. Keep Giovanni in your prayers. You know, he has a, a, a lot of work to, to do down there, you know, but, but I thank God, you know, he's, he's been equipped and he has a heart for it. He's actually, he told that he, he had been praying for a whole year, you know, that Lord, you know, because God had already put that in his heart, but he didn't, he didn't have anyone. He said that he started pouring into three guys, two of them left, and, and, and one of them stayed. So now he's pouring into one guy. Who wants to be a pastor? And now through this trip, the Lord brought on five more, and so He has a, a lot of work to be done. But again, us as a, as a church, as a city terrace, we're gonna we're gonna uh, send them equipment. You know, I'll send them tools. Um, I'm buy, I'm I'm in the process right now of buying them books, and and we're gonna buy them a whole set of again of the distinctives, uh, philosophy of ministry, um, a couple of encyclopedias, and some books on leadership and anything else that that uh, that, that that they need in order to just and kick kickstart their ministry. So keep them in prayer. And, uh, and also, you know, I just want to say thank you guys, you know, because, uh, again, you know, it, this is, you know, this is a work, uh, it, it, takes a, it takes a body, you know, it takes a body of Christ, not just one person, not just me because I'm the pastor, it's not just Liz because she's my wife, it's not just, you know, it's a whole body, and, you know, as you guys saw, we were out there laboring, you guys were here laboring, and, and everything that the Lord is doing out there was a body, you know, it wasn't just Giovanni, it was, you know, Marvin with Giovanni, all these guys, us, everyone who came alongside, it was just amazing, you know, the Lord really ministered to my heart, and, and, and and I'm I'm excited, you know, for what Thor is gonna is gonna do this year, and and what he's gonna continue to do through us. And man, even if we never become a huge church, I don't care, you know, I don't care because you know that's not the vision that God has given me. You know, the vision that God has given me is to multiply, and, and that's what He's doing. You know, He's giving us the desires of our hearts, and so He's blessing that. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys, uh, so you guys could rejoice with me. You know, I'm just super excited about it. Amen. Amen. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, jump into the study. Uh, you go ahead and turn your Bible to Acts chapter 21. And we'll continue our study there in the, in the book of Acts. Amen. 
Uh, so, Father God, again, Lord, just thank you so much, Lord, for everything that, you, that you're doing and you're going to continue to do through us and, and in us, Lord. And now, Lord, I pray that you would just bless the study of your word, Father, uh, that you would just baptize us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would give us the understanding, Lord, and that you would help us to apply it to our lives, Lord, and just speak to us in a fresh way, Lord. And I ask you this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Awesome. So, Acts chapter 21, if you guys remember, uh, the last time we, 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 we studied the book of Acts, we left off with, uh, with Paul there in Miletus. And you guys remember, Paul right now is on a mission, man. He's a man on a mission, he's, and he's running a straight course towards Jerusalem because he wants to be at Jerusalem and so he could keep the feast there at Jerusalem. And so as, as he's on the way, his way to Jerusalem, he's passing through all these cities. And you guys remember chapter 20, he stopped at Miletus. He overpassed Ephesus. He didn't want to stop at Ephesus because he knew, man, if I stop at Ephesus, there's no way I could just be here a weekend or a couple weeks or a couple months. I won't be here for a while because he just knew so many people. There were just so many things to do. There was such a great ministry to do. So he, 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 he overpassed Ephesus and he, he stopped at Miletus. And from Miletus, if you guys remember, he, he called the, the Ephesian elders to him at Miletus. So he didn't go to Miletus, but he called the, the elders from, from Miletus. And really, these are the, the pastors of the home churches there at, Miletus, at Ephesus. He called them to himself there in Miletus. And so he began to pour into them. And, and he kind of gave them their, his, his farewell speech. You know, and, uh, and, and now he's on his way to, to Jerusalem, just running a straight course. And so it says there in chapter 21, it says, Now it came to pass that when we had departed, that's departed from Miletus, from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kos the following day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we, when we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. And it says, they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went our way. And they all accompanied us, the wives, children, till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. We'll stop right there. So again, here's Paul, man. And, and, and he's there at Miletus. He meets with the elders, the pastors of the home churches that are at Ephesus. He pours into these guys. You know, he shares with them their heart. He, he, he says, hey, man, look, I, I, haven't, I haven't shunned from, from declaring to you all of, all of the counsel of God's word. I mean, that he taught them every single, every single word, every single verse, every single chapter of God's word. And he's saying, look, man, I didn't, I didn't hold back anything from you guys. Everything that I had, I, I gave it to you guys. I gave it freely. I gave it all. Now, as he's departing from there, you can just imagine. I mean, this is just... You know, a, a sad scene because they love they love this guy. You know, they, they love Paul so much, and now they're seeing him go away. That's like everyone's pastor right there. That's like Paul was every, all these guys' pastor. You know, he helped plant all these churches. He poured into all these guys. Now he's saying their farewells, and little do they know that that's actually the last time they're going to see him. You know, so he says his goodbyes, and it says that he departs from Miletus, and it says that that, that they had sighted Cyprus. They passed on the left. They they sailed to Syria, and they landed at Tyre. So now they are there in the city of Tyre. You know, and it says that when they got to Tyre, they found some disciples and they stayed there with, with those disciples seven days. What that means is, is that as they got to Tyre, they found believers. They found Christians. You know, and this is awesome because we're just seeing the gospel spread, you know, on, on its own like wildfire. You know, here's Paul and the rest of the guys, you know, the rest of the believers, the first disciples. You know, they, they had an awesome revival there at, 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 the, at, at Pentecost. And then, you know, a bunch of people got saved, a bunch of people got, uh, heard the word. And, and what we're seeing now, some 20 years later, is that the, the word of God is just spreading. To, to the point that they get to Tyre, to the city of Tyre, and there's already Christians established there. There's already, you know, a, a group of believers established at Tyre. And so when they get to Tyre, 
It says that they unload the cargo. They stay there for, for, for seven days. And as they stay there with the believers at Tyre for seven days, we're told that, that these believers told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. So they're warning Paul, man, Paul, look, we know you're going to Jerusalem, but, but, but you shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. You shouldn't go. And actually, in the chapter previous, in the previous chapter, then Acts 20, uh, verse 20, verse 22 through 24, we're told that, that, that it's because of, that it's because of danger. And, and, and there in Acts 20, 20, 24, Paul said, uh, Paul said this in verse 22, he says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But then he says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so now he's at Tyre, and then now here are these other believers through the Spirit warning Paul, hey man, don't go to, don't go to Jerusalem. And, and, and I mean, and this is kind of, has become kind of a controversial thing, uh, kind of a controversial passage right here, because a lot of people would read this and they would say, man, well, Paul was in rebellion against the Spirit. This is the, this is the, the, the only time that, 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 that Paul disobeyed God, that Paul disobeyed the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit said, don't go to Jerusalem. And he went, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, I've gone, I've heard even guys say, Yo, well, Paul was prideful, you know, and, and, and he wanted his own way. He still wanted to go to Jerusalem. And he went to Jerusalem despite the Holy Spirit, you know, telling him not to go. But really, because of, of, of what the Holy Spirit had already spoken to Paul, I mean, since, since the very moment that, 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 that Jesus called him, if you guys remember, while, while Paul was on the, on the road to Damascus, you know, the, the, the Lord Jesus spoke to him. You know, he spoke to, 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 to Ananias, who was going to go uh, a minister to Paul and receive to him his sight. And, and he told this to Ananias. He says, he says go and, and, get, and get Saul. He says, because um, I'm going to show him all the things that he must suffer for my name's sake. So this suffering wasn't something that, that was foreign to Paul. It wasn't a surprise. It's not, it's not that, that the Holy Spirit was telling him, hey, don't go because you're going to suffer. No, the Holy Spirit was warning him, hey, you're going to suffer. Paul knew it. The Holy Spirit had already been ministering to Paul. Again, in, in chapter 20, 22, he said, hey, look, I go bound in the Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit testifies that, 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 that every, in every city I go, that chains await me. And so we see that the Holy Spirit was, was testifying, was warning Paul that, 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 that he was going to suffer. But really, we never see that the Holy Spirit was saying, don't go. And so what these believers are, and what we're reading here is these believers interpreting the Holy Spirit saying that there's going to be danger and, and, and them interpreting that, that, that that's a closed door from the Lord. So because the Holy Spirit said, hey, there's going to be danger, because the Holy Spirit said, hey, there's going to be chains awaiting you, they interpreted it as, hey, Paul, you shouldn't go. But notice what it says there again in verse 5. And then it says, then we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went our way, and they all accompanied us with wives, children, till they were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. So Paul still went. You know, he, he, he heard them. You know, these guys said, hey, look, man, the Holy Spirit's saying that chains await you. Maybe you shouldn't go. So it's not that the Holy Spirit was forbidding him to go, but the Holy Spirit was just warning him, hey, look, you're going to suffer. Chains await you. You know, and now interesting that, that for Paul, it didn't move him. He said that in the, in the previous chapter as he was addressing the elders at Ephesus. Hey, look, but none of these things move me. You know, so he wasn't moved by it. These other believers, it's like the Lord was giving insight to these other believers and letting them know, man, chosen away Paul. But he wasn't, but the Holy Spirit wasn't saying, forbid him to go. The Holy Spirit wasn't, wasn't closing the doors. He was just warning him of what was going to go. You know, and, and I find that interesting because nowhere 
you know, in, in, in the history of the church, nowhere in the, in the history of, of, of the ministry of the body of Christ, you know, has, has danger been, you know, a, a, a closed door? I mean, we're not called to a safe, to a, the safe zone type of Christianity. You know, but I mean, really this Christian walk is, is a dangerous walk. Right? I mean, we see believers across, across the world, across the globe, who, who are literally, it's illegal for them to be Christians. Like, it's a life or death situation. And just imagine if, if they were to interpret that, oh, I might lose my life if I become a Christian. Maybe I shouldn't become a Christian. Just imagine if, if they interpret it as, oh, man, well, it's dangerous to go out on the mission field. So maybe I shouldn't go on the mission field. Hey, the gospel will never spread. The gospel will never grow. Right? And so Paul wasn't taking this danger as a closed door. But he was just taking it as a precaution. And you know, it's like the Holy Spirit was letting him look. You still want to go? This is what's going to happen. You know, interesting that, 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 that God was giving him a choice. You know, he was letting him know, look, this, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to suffer. You're going to be in chains. And then Paul had the choice to say, you know what? Oh, man, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go through that. I'd, I'd rather stay home and just minister here. You know, grow a big church. Continue pouring into the believers. But instead, he said, hey, none of these things move me. I'm going to go no matter what. You know, interesting that before we went to, to Guatemala, uh, one of the brothers, you know, his wife, when, 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 they, when, when, they found out, when she found out that, that, that Liz and I were going to, you know, his wife came up to me and uh, he said, hey, uh, uh, I, I want to share this with you because I didn't know you were going, but, but I want to share this with you. Um, he said, my, my husband had a dream that, 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 when, that, when they were, that when you guys were in Guatemala, that somebody came up to him with a gun and that he tried to defend himself, but it didn't work and, and that the guy shot him. And, and so she was obviously, you know, kind of uh, um, cautious. She was a little, you know, maybe uh, just a little scared about that. And so, you know, and, and she said, but, but my husband said he's still going. And, and I just, you know, and I just, I comforted her. And I told her, hey, look, if I guarantee you, if I'm, if I'm with your husband and something like that happens, I guarantee you I'll die. <laughs> I'll take the bullet for him. You know, you just take, you know, happy peace in that. It's like, all right. You know, but, but, but this brother, you know, he, he had this, this dream. And I'm not saying it was from the Lord, you know, but, but he had this, well, it wasn't because it didn't happen. You know, but 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 he, he had this this dream. You know, he was he was always he was a little shook up by it. His wife was a little shook up by, by it. But notice that that this danger, this 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 presence of danger, didn't keep him from going. If anything, he said, "You know what? Let's go." You know, I'll be and I'll be honest with you guys. Now that we're back, you know, even I was told is like I, when I heard that, I even got a little shook. I'm like, oh man, you know, because then you start hearing, "Oh, it's dangerous." This, that, the other crime, whatever. You know, and I was even getting a little a little bit of fear. And I told is like, "Man, pray for me because I'm being a little fearful." You know, and so we pray, we pray, we're like, all right, Lord, we know that you open the doors and I have to go back to, to, to what we do know. You know, and somebody said this, don't trade what you don't know for what you do know. And what I did know is that God opened the doors. And, you know, he provided the way, he provided the monies, he provided the time off, he provided, you know, the way for us to go over there. He opened the door for us to go. And all right, Lord, I'm going to bank on that, Lord. That I'm, I'm going to bank on what I do know and I'm not going to trade it for what I don't know. But notice that, that this presence of danger, you know, didn't keep him from going. You know, if, if danger, if danger was an out, was, was, was if danger, you know, was something that, that doesn't keep us from going, then man, none of us would ever do anything, right? I mean, it's dangerous just to step outside our homes and go to work every day. We risk our lives, you know, getting in an accident or getting killed, you know, and, uh, at work every day, but we still go, right? If danger was, was, a, was, was something that was going to stop us, man, nothing would ever get done. And so here's Paul, man, the Holy Spirit testifying, look, it's dangerous, you're going to get beat up, you're going to be in chains, but he said, none of these things move me. He understood that, you know, but, but the believers didn't. And so it goes on to say in, their, in verse 7, And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to uh, uh, Polymi, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. And on the next day, we, who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea, 
and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound, it, and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hand of the Gentiles. We'll start right there. So here's Paul and the gang. It says that, that, that they depart. They, they depart there from Tyre they, and they end up in, in Caesarea. And as they get to Caesarea, it says that, that they stayed at the house of a man named Philip the Evangelist. Now, this Philip the Evangelist, we're told that he was, he was one of the seven. And when it says that he was one of those seven, it, it's referring back to Acts chapter 6, verse 3. When you guys remember when, when the church uh, was barely established, that they had this uh, food distribution program. And because there was so much uh, conflict rising up, like, hey, uh, the, the, the widows were saying, hey, man, we're getting treated unfairly. They're getting more just because we're, we're Hellenists. You know, we're, we're getting less. And so this problem arose. Now, if you guys remember the, what, the, what the disciples did, what the apostles did is that they, they chose seven men among them, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom with good reputations in order to, to take care of this matter. And one of those guys was Stephen. And the other one that, that we're told by name is Philip. So you guys remember there in Acts chapter 6, 3, that's where, that's when it says he was one of those seven. That's what it's referring to. You know, that, that, that Philip was one of those seven who was chosen. And interesting that we're told later on in, in Acts 8, 40, you guys remember that it's this same Philip who was, who, who was having a fruitful ministry that Samaria. And then the Lord called him to the desert where there's nobody, to the boonies. You know, he's having this awesome ministry here in Samaria. People are coming to the Lord. People are believing. People are repenting. There's just an awesome work of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the, the Lord tells him, you know what? Go to the desert. Man, what's in the desert? You know, and, and little did he know that he was going to encounter one man. You know, and, and, it's just, and cool that the Lord would, would come from this fruitful ministry, ministering to hundreds, if not even thousands, to go minister to one man. And that was that Ethiopian eunuch. If you guys remember there in, in Acts 8.40. And we're told there in Acts 8.40 that as he ministered to him, you guys remember that, that, he, that he baptized him. And afterwards, he was, he was carried away in the spirit. And Acts 8.40 tells us that, 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 that after that, that Philip ended up in Caesarea. And so he, here we are some maybe 15 years later, 15, 20 years later. And we see that Philip is still in Caesarea. You know, so awesome how the Lord called him first from Jerusalem. Flee from Jerusalem. He ended up there at, at Samaria. Samaria, the Lord called him to the desert. Ministered to one guy from that desert. He, he ended up in Caesarea. And now some years later, you know, there he is. There he is still in Caesarea. And what I find amazing is just how God is just connecting the dots. Again, we get to, to, to look at it from, from, we get the bird's eye view, right? We're from the outside looking in. But then they don't know what's going on. The whole reason why, why, why Philip even, even left Jerusalem was because Paul at that time, Saul was persecuting the Christians. He, he had ordered a hit on, on other Christians, went to Jerusalem, started chasing them out. And, and now here we are, chapter 21, and Paul is visiting the house of Philip, the guy who he chased out of Jerusalem because of his persecution, because of, it, of his hate for the Christians. And now here's Philip housing that same Paul. Amazing. Amazing how the Holy Spirit just works it all out. And so we're told about Philip, this is that, that he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now, that's the, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, they had the, the gift of prophecy. You know, and I just think it's amazing, again, just the, the role that, that, that women play in, in the church and in the body of Christ. You know, that they were considered prophets. You know, the, the prophetesses. You know, he had his four virgin daughters. Were, they, they prophesied, so they would, and everybody recognized them as, you know, that, that then they would hear from the Lord. And they were able to, to proclaim God's word. You know, it's not that they were giving out new revelation, but they just were able to, to hear from the Lord. You know, so they, they prophesied. 
And again, this, this role that the, that the women played in, in the early church and still do today, I mean, the Bible tells us, you know, that, 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 that women, you know, are not exempt from, from any gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, except for, you know, the only position that, 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 the, that, the, that the Bible doesn't recognize for the women is, a, is the role of a pastor. That's the only, that's the only one that's, that's exclusive to the man. But it doesn't mean that, that the woman can't, you know, lead a, a women's Bible study and be, you know, the leader over a women's Bible study. It doesn't mean that, that a woman can't prophesy. It doesn't mean that a woman can't speak in the Holy Spirit. Keep, I mean, speak in tongues. It doesn't mean that she can't teach. You know, because God does give the, the gift of, 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 of teaching also to women. And so here we, here we are in the other church, you know, and Philip's four daughters are, are esteemed as, as, as prophetesses. And then we're told that, that they stayed there with Philip and, and, uh, and his daughters for many days. And then a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And said so that when he had come down, he took Paul's belt, he bound, it, he bound his own hands and feet, and he says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns his belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Notice that the Holy Spirit wasn't saying, was say, Hey man, the, the person who owns his belt shouldn't go down to Jerusalem. Notice that he didn't say, hey, the, the person who owns this belt, you know, should just stay right here, you know, don't, don't go. But no, he just said, look, the person who owns this belt is going to be, is going to be bound and he's going to be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Again, the Holy Spirit, you know, God through the Holy Spirit warning Paul of what was going to happen. Not closing the door, but just letting him know, Lord, all right, this is what you're signing up for, right? And then verse 12 says, now when we heard these things, both we and those from the place pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. So notice that it was, it was the believers, it was, it was, it was the, the people there with them who were pleading with them not to go. It wasn't the Lord, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't telling him, Paul, don't go or else you're in rebellion and you go to Jerusalem. He's just telling him, you're going to suffer, right? And so when it says we, that's Luke included, probably Timothy, all these guys that are with them. It says that they pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Verse 13, but then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That was his heart. That was his heart. You know, he was, he was ready not, not, just, not, not just to be taken in chains, not just, not just to be put in prison, but he was ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul tells, Paul pretty much is, is letting them know, look, man, I, I know what I'm getting myself into. And again, Paul knew from the very beginning. You know, Acts, Acts 9, 15 and 16, when, when, when he met Jesus there on the road to Damascus, when he had his first encounter with the Lord, Again, uh, when, when, he, when, when he was blinded, you know, and then the Lord told Ananias, look, uh, he is a chosen vessel of mine for, I need to show him what, how, how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And so Paul knew from the very beginning of his ministry, from the very beginning of his call, he knew that, that he was called to suffer. He knew that he was called to suffer for the name of Jesus. And he embraced it. He embraced it. And so he tells him, hey man, what are you guys doing by, by, by man, you guys are breaking my heart. Ah, oh, man, your tears, man, you're breaking my heart. Don't you know that, that I'm ready to not just be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem? And so he knew. He knew what he was getting himself into. And then it's like, man, how do you stop a guy like that? You know, how do you stop someone like that with no fear of death? How do you stop some, someone with, with such a sure, you know, sense of calling? You know, with such confidence in their, in their calling from the Lord. How do you stop someone like that? You can't. You can't. And so that was Paul. And in verse 14, so when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, hey, the will of the Lord be done. It's not that they're saying, all right, man, well, God's will be done. But they're recognizing that, that that was God's will for him, was to suffer. And so they're saying, so they stopped pleading with him. They stopped trying to convince him not to go. And they said, all right, man, if this is God's will, then let it be done. That's an awesome approach to take to ministry. 
That's an awesome approach to take to anything. Right? All right, Lord. Whatever your will is, let it be done. If it, if it involves me suffering, Lord, let your will be done. If it involves me having to go through this, all right, Lord, let it be done. If it involves this person having to go, whatever, Lord, just let it be done. And so verse 15 says, And after those days we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought, and brought with them a certain a mason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. Now this word mason uh, j- j- it just means a, a Christian from Cyprus. You know, it, it, was, a common, it was a common name used, used uh, to call Christians who were from the city of Cyprus. And it says that he was an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. Now it says that he was an early disciple. You know, it believes that he was one of the, the early believers. You know, so, from, from, from when, so when the gospel barely got there to, to Cyprus, he was one of the guys who first believed. We don't know if it was like after the day of Pentecost or how early it was, but you know, definitely he was, you know, he had been in the Lord for some, for some time now. And so it says, verse 17, when we had to come uh, to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Now, that you know, may not mean a lot to us, but, but for Paul at that moment, it meant everything. You know, because Paul's heart desire, like what he wanted most, was to be able to preach Jesus to his, to his countrymen, to, to the rest of the Jews there at Jerusalem. That was his like, lifelong ambition since he came to the Lord. It's like, if you ever have that one thing that, that, that you think, man, I, I got saved and there's just this one thing I want to do. For me, it was uh, preach Jesus to, to my friends. Let them know that I am saved now. You know, God saved me. And, and, and I did that. Yeah, but for Paul, it was this. It was that his one thing that he just longed for, the thing that he lived for, the thing that he just waited for, the thing that, 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 that he just really desired was, was to be at Jerusalem and to preach Jesus to all his countrymen, to all the rest of the Jews, to all the rest of the Pharisees, to all those you know, who, who, were, who were in positions of, of, of religious authority. I mean, Paul probably thought himself you know, the, the, the best person to share Jesus with them. Why? Because he, he was one of them. He was educated, he was taught, he was skilled, he held a position. He has this, this crazy, you know, uh, testimony of how, you know, uh, of how he used to persecute Christians. He was in their position. So in his mind, he's probably thinking, man, who better than to, to share Jesus with them than, than me? And so now, you know, we see that his desire is being realized. After, you know, 15 plus years later now, his desire is being realized. He's at Jerusalem, now he's going to share Jesus with them. And so it says, there again, uh, verse 18, and on the following day, Paul went with us to James, and all the elders were present. And when he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the Lord. Now that word myriads means tens of thousands. And so there's all the brothers at Jerusalem are saying, Look, brother, you know, how many tens of thousands of Jews there are who are believed, who have believed, and they're all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they are not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and, and that all of them may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. 
But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, and from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. So what's going on? So as Paul gets there to Jerusalem, he meets with, with, with James, which is the brother of the, of the Lord Jesus, uh, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus. He's considered an elder now in the church there in Jerusalem. And um, you can just imagine probably Peter's there. All these other guys are, are there. All the early disciples are, are, are there. And so we're told that as he gets there, he's greeting, he's greeting the, the, the brothers. And they tell him, look, Paul, there's been tens of thousands of Jews who have came to Jesus, but they're still, they're still regarding the law. And, and, and there's been rumors about you, Paul, that, that you're telling everybody you know, to forsake Moses and to forsake the, the law of Moses. Now, that was true to an extent. You know, Paul, in, Paul never did, did he tell him to, to forsake the law of Moses. But, but what Paul was doing as, as he visited all these, all these different cities and, and, shared the, and shared Jesus with them is that he was pointing them to Jesus. He was using the law and telling them that, that the law it, you know, was meant to point to Jesus and that Jesus was a fulfillment of the law. And so he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't telling them not to practice these things anymore. If you guys remember a few chapters back, he even had uh, uh, Timothy circumcised. Right, as a way of not stumbling the, the Jews who they were going to minister to. So it's not that he was telling them, hey, don't do these things anymore. These things are useless. But what Paul was doing is that he was letting them know that these things don't offer salvation. You know, Jesus, Jesus offers salvation. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. But because there was these Jews at Jerusalem and because there was all these false rumors about Paul and circulating saying that, that, that Paul was telling everyone to forsake the law of Moses and just forsake Moses and to forsake circumcision. You know, these elders, they came to an agreement, you know, and now they're going to kind of just bargain with Paul and they're going to tell him, hey, look, Paul, just so that we won't, we won't stumble these guys, just so, to, just so we get all the questions out of the air. Uh, look, we have four guys who have taken a vow, you know, now. It's probably a Nazarite vow, and, and and so and so they're telling Paul, look, why don't you go with them to the temple? Well, why don't you put, kind of put your stamp of approval on the uh, on their vow and just and, and allow them to just finish their vow with, with you there? So pretty much they're saying, look, Paul, why don't you just join them in that? You know, just so we get any questions out of the air. You know, a lot of people would say that that Paul is compromising. You know, and, and a lot of people would say, yeah, look, this is you know the only time Paul compromised, just like earlier says, oh, that's the only time Paul Paul uh, uh, um, uh, disobeyed the spirit. Not so. That's not true. You know, because for Paul, you know, he never compromised in, in, the, in the essentials. The non-essentials, you know, and, and so as well. I mean, so us as well. But the non-essentials, I mean, we could, we're flexible in the non-essentials. But when it comes to the essential teachings of the Bible, the essential doctrines of the Bible, we don't compromise in those areas. And so we see that, 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 that Paul, you know, it wasn't a big deal for him to, 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 to go to Jerusalem with these guys so they could finish their vow. You know, it, he knew that, that these things don't save, but he was using that out of love in order to just, again, so these guys could receive from him, right? I mean, also, we're right there in Guatemala, and we're going to go minister at this church on Saturday, the Pentecostal one, and, you know, they told us, all right, make sure you, before we left, they told us, make sure you take a nice, you know, a nice outfit for Saturday, because we want to minister to, the, to these guys, and we don't want to keep, you know, our appearance. We, we don't want that to be a stumbling block for them. And then they won't be able to receive the word of God from us because of the way we look or the, because of the way we're dressed. You know, and so me, of course, you know, being me, I forgot to take something nice to, 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 to dress in on Saturday. And we're in the van. I'm just like praying, Lord, Lord, man, I'm so dumb. Oh, Lord, forgive me, Lord. I, okay, that's me being a little rebellious. Lord, yeah, I should have. I should have brought something or I should have stopped to buy something. Lord, forgive me. You know, and I was praying, Lord, please don't, please don't let, because I went like this with jeans and a t-shirt. 
You know, and I'm praying, Lord, in a hat, I'm like, Lord, please don't, don't let this get in the way of, of these guys receiving from us. Don't let me be the guy who stumbles at everybody. And, and, and so the other guys, yeah, man, they went up and they taught. They were dressed up on ice, you know, different from what we're, what we're used to in Calvary, right? You know, and, and, and but I just love that, that, that the Lord used it all, right? God answered my prayer and, 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 and we're able to minister to guys, you know, and they didn't care about how I looked and anything like that. So that was amazing. You know, but I also got to use these guys, you know, who were teaching up there. And look, man, it's not that they compromise their faith or it's not that they compromise, you know, their beliefs, but they put it aside out of love in order that they can minister to these guys so these guys could receive from them. And they did. They did. So much so that, that uh, there's like this uh, Christian, like uh, news outlet there in Guatemala. And I guess like one of the reporters was there at the, at the conference. And we didn't find out till, till afterwards. And we saw the guy there. Yeah, but, but, but we didn't know who he was and we didn't find out until afterwards. I guess they, they, they made a post on, on Facebook and Pastor Marvin showed us, hey, bro, he's like, look, he's like, take a look at this. We saw it like on, on Monday, the, two days later. And so this guy made a whole post about, about, about the conference and he mentioned how these guys came from California and, and, and how they taught the word and, and how the theme was from First Timothy and how they taught verse by verse. And, and, and the guy was just praising this, the, the, their, their teaching because it was so sound. And he was praising the fact that, that uh, it was just sound doctrine and sound teaching without any opinion, how they were just, you know, uh, uh, dissecting the word. And then he goes on to, he goes on to mention their names and, and each and all the churches they're from. Pastor Tony from Calvary Chapel when he beginning then. And then he goes into, into actually talking about the Calvary Chapel movement and his little article. And he says, oh, you guys come from a church called Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel was, 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 was founded by, by, by a guy named Pastor Chuck Smith who in the 70s, he, he brought up the Jesus People movement and all these things, right? And we're thinking, man, that's so cool. That's so cool, right? Because we lay our, I guess, you know, our, our, our differences aside, amen, and we became like them. We're like, oh, you know, we're just going to minister to these guys. Right, so they, they could receive. And, and, and it's cool because Pastor Marvin has said, look, man, I don't want to go there and, and, and preach Calvary Chapel. I don't want to preach the word. You know, I don't want, I don't want it to be about denomination or about church names, about anything. I just want to teach these guys. We're like, all right. And, and interesting that, that, that the Lord is the one who brought it out. You know, the Lord is the one who, who brought out the whole Calvary thing. And so that was heart, Paul's heart. You know, he's like, hey, man, you know what? I'm going to lay aside all these little differences in order so that they could receive. You know, later on in... As Paul writes to to the church at Corinth, that First Corinthians nine twenty, you know, Paul said this. I'm just gonna read to you, so I won't chop it up. First Corinthians nine twenty, he says, he says, and to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews, and to those who are under the law as under the law that I may win those who are under the law. And then it goes on to say in verse twenty one. And to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law, the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. You know, he goes on to say, to the weak, I became as weak, that I may win the weak, and I have become all things to all men, that I might, by all means, save some. And he goes on to say, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. And so he says, for the gospel's sake, hey amen, I become all things to all men. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. To the Gentiles, I became as a Gentile. To the weak, I, be, I became as weak. To the strong, I became as strong. Why? For the end purpose of, 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 of ministering the gospel to them. And that's what, exactly what he's doing. There. He's putting his differences aside. He said, look, man, these guys want me to keep the vow. Keep the, the, I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go to the temple with them. If that's going to help them receive from me, if that's going to help them you know, receive the gospel, if that's going to help them receive my message and encourage them in the ministry, I'll do it. And so he does it. And verse 26 says, Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, he entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, 
at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. And now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place, the temple. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled it, has defiled this holy place. And verse 29 says in parentheses, For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And so here, here we see you know, Paul the temple and said that the Jews from Asia, they saw him and automatically they were stirred up. They were angered. You know, and, and they stirred up all the people and said, look, this is the man who's been telling everyone to forsake the law of Moses. And more, and, and more than that, he brought a Gentile into the temple you know, and he's defiled it. Now, Paul never did that. Paul never did that. This is their assumption. You know, Luke tells us there in parentheses that it's because these guys had previously seen Paul with Trophimus, the Ephesian, in that city. And they thought, they supposed that Paul had brought him to the temple. But they never saw him bring him, bring him to the temple. Paul never did it. You know, but again, the enemy will use any little thing to just come up against you, right? Any little thing, any little, any, any little lie, any, any little presumption, right? This is kind of funny. I mean, we're, uh, as we're coming back at the airport, we're at the, at the airport there in Mexico City, and we're hungry, man, me and Liz. And we had been there at the airport for like 10 hours already. And we got to Mexico City, and we're like looking for something to eat, and all they had was McDonald's and stuff. We were like, oh, man. And we're, as we're walking around, we see a Chili's up in the corner. We're like, oh, for, this is VIP only. We're like, let's go, man. So we were VIP, but we went up there and we ate Chili's. And since we're taking it to go, they sat us down at the bar. And so we're sitting there at the bar. You know, here's a guy, you know, giving out drinks. And everyone's drinking right there. We're at the bar just waiting for our food. And, and, and I, I jokingly told us, like, hey, man, imagine someone sees us here. Imagine if someone walks by and they're like, oh, look, there's Pastor Ranger and his wife. They're at the bar drinking. And, and I said it jokingly. But, 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 you know, that I don't know who's going to see us here. But then afterwards, it hit me like, man, you know what? Hey, the enemy will use any little thing, right? What if somebody did see us there and they thought, oh, look, they're for sure drinking. Look, they're getting drunk after a mission trip. Or look, they're, they're away and, you know, they're in another country, so, so they're, they're drinking. I thought, hey, man, the enemy can use that. You know, any little thing. And then afterwards, I started thinking, hey, man, well, I got like cross tattoos. I have, you know, like Jesus tattoos all over me. I'm like, man, what if somebody did think that? You know, I, I, and then I prayed afterwards in my head, I'm like, oh, Lord, please don't, you know, let, let that happen. You know, just protect, protect our reputation. You know, and then afterwards, thinking, I, I thought, all right, maybe we should have been a little wiser. You know, we should have sat down one of the, one of the, 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 the empty uh, tables there. You know, but again, here's Paul. He never really took uh, Trophimus into the temple. But again, people are just presuming, you know, and, and then, then we will use that. You know, any little false presumptions, any little things to, in order to, to ruin your reputation, he'll do it. He'll do it. Anything that, that, that he can use to, to, to mess up your ministry, to keep people from receiving from you, he'll do it. You know, and so he's doing it, and so that he's doing it against Paul right now. And so verse 30 says, And all the city was disturbed, and, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was, an up, was in an uproar. He immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. You know, so these guys were obviously afraid you know, of, of, of the Roman centurions, of the Roman authorities. One thing that, that Rome was not going to permit was an uproar, was, was an insurrection. And so as soon as they, they, they saw any little chaos going on, boom, they sent, sent, they sent, uh, you know, they sent the centurions to them. They sent you know, a whole, a whole you know, army of guys down there you know, in order to stop this. And so when the Jews saw the soldiers coming, they stopped beating up Paul. In verse 33, 
Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. Again, they were trying to kill this guy. They were trying to kill Paul. For the multitude of the people followed him, followed after him, crying, away with him, away with him. What that really means is that they were saying, kill him. You know, it's like similar to when they were, when they were crying out against Jesus, saying, crucify him, crucify him. So this is giving the, the same emphasis. They were saying, away with him, away with him, meaning like, hey, away with his life. You know, they want to see him dead. And verse 37 then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I speak to you? And he replied, Can you speak Greek? You know, so no doubt that this commander was, was uh, he was shocked. You know, because when Paul told him, May I speak to you? What, what, what that means, in the, how that's translated in the, in the original Greek, it's like he said it in like the most fanciful, you know, uh, form of Greek. May I speak to you? You know, I mean, he, he got his attention because he made him realize that, oh man, look, this is a learned man. This is an educated man. And so the guy even was tripping out. I said, hey man, can you speak Greek? And then he goes on to say, in verse 30, are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and let the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you, permit me, permit me to speak to the people. So they thought that he was someone else. They were mistaking him for, for a guy who had come earlier, uh, an, an Egyptian who had stirred up a rebellion you know, and led 4,000 uh, assassins, really terrorists, uh, out into the wilderness. So there was already a rumor about Paul, like, hey, that's Paul. You know, Paul's that Egyptian guy. And so he's clearing things up. And here's this guy. He thinks that that's Paul. He's like, you know, he's like hey, man, that's not me. He's like, I'm a Jew from, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia. I'm a citizen. You know, and, and, and so he says, hey, I just want to talk to the people. You know, and so here's Paul. You know, here's the moment he's been waiting for almost his whole life, pretty much. He was about to address the crowd, address the Jews there in Jerusalem. In verse 40. Verse 40 says, So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, saying, I'm sorry, he is not. He's, he's taking advantage, advantage of the crowd. And, and here goes his speech there in chapter 22. He says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in, Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. So again, there's all these questions going on about Paul. Hey man, is, is he a Jew? Is he that crazy Egyptian terrorist? Is, 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 he, is he causing people to, to, to forsake the law? Is he telling them that they shouldn't listen to the, to the law? Did he defile the temple? There's all these questions about him, right? And now he's going to give his own defense. And it says when, uh, that when they heard him speak in Hebrew, all right, keep in mind that not, not, not all the Jews knew Hebrew. I mean, in order to be a Jew and know Hebrew, you had to be, you know, taught in the, in the best schools. You had to have pretty much like that Ivy League, you know, school training. And so that tells them a lot about who Paul is. As soon as he, he begins to speak to them in Hebrew, they realize that, all right, you know, there's, okay, maybe, you know, he's not the guy that we thought he was. You know, and so he addresses them in the Hebrew. And he says, hear my defense before you now. Interesting that that, that first Peter three fifteen uses that same word defense, you know, and, and, and the Bible translates that word defense as apologia. You know, and and, and Peter in first Peter three fifteen he, he exhorts the believers and he tells them, Hey, he says, Be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks about the faith that is in you. You know, now that word defense me apologia, the same word that we get the word apologetics from. You know, it's just giving a defense. And and, and awesome that, that Paul, as he's gonna give his defense, 
what, what he's going to use is not just, yeah, scripture, but, but more than anything, his testimony. You know, and so I recognize that, that, that testimonies have their time and have their place and have their purpose. And, and in this case, you know, Paul is using his, his testimony of what God has done in his life as a defense, as an apologia. And so be encouraged, you know, to, to, to share your testimony. I, I'm, I've been more encouraged this year, you know, to share my testimony more, more, than, more than ever in my, in my Christian walk. You know, I've always, Liz knows, I've always been kind of hesitant about my testimony. Not because I'm ashamed or anything, but just I never saw really a, a place for it. And I'm like, I'd rather share the word. You know, when someone asks me to speak somewhere, I'm like, I share a testimony. I'm like, I'd rather share a devotion or, or I would rather share a word of encouragement. You know, but they're always teaching me, you know, that, hey, man, that, 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 that testimonies have their place and have their purpose. And, and when that purpose and, and that place and that time arises, take advantage of it. You know, and so for Paul, this was his, his time, you know. And, and we see that he's going to give his apologia. He's going to give his defense by using his testimony, the testimony of what God did in his life. So your testimonies have a purpose. You know, be encouraged in that. Be encouraged to, to, to share it. And so he goes on to say in verse 3, I am indeed a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of her father's law, and was zealous toward God as you are all to, today. Now Gamaliel was like the... The like the brain, you know, of the of the Pharisee teachers. You know, he was like the, the teacher of the teachers. That was like man, that's like the like the best private school training, private school edu- education that you get at the time. And so he says, look, man, I was brought under the feet of Gamaliel. And he says, I persecuted this way, meaning the Christians, to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness. Now I'm just gonna read through his whole testimony. He says. It says, and all the counsel of the, of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. So he let them know, look, man, this is who I was. I, I should be like you guys. I actually persecuted the way. I, should, I actually persecuted these Christians to the point of death. Now it happened, verse 6, as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, that suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And verse 11, And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. And then there a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, called to me, I mean, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him, then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. And then again, we're told there in chapter 9 that, that, that his will was, that, was to suffer. So that, that was God's will for, for Paul was to suffer. You know, and God wanted, to know, God wanted Paul to know that will was to suffer and that that, that, that that will was called a call to suffering. And verse 15 says, for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And verse 17, Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to, him, say, say, saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. 
So I said, Lord, they, they know that in every synagogue I am I imprison and beat those who believe on you. And, and when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I was also the one standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. And then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. In verse 22, and they listened to him until this word. And they raised their voice, their voices and said, away with such a fellow for, from the earth. For he is not fit to live. Man, notice that, 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 that they listened to him. He was giving his testimony. And they're like, all right, man. Well, you know, he is a Jew, a devout man. He used to be a Pharisee. He was taught by Gamal, Gamal, Gamaliel. Gamal, to say that, he's like, man, all right, that, that, that would have vouched for him right there. Just saying, look, man, he was a student of Gamaliel. You know, he has a great reputation. Everybody knows him. You know, so that, that alone would have vouched for him. Hey, man, Gamaliel is my teacher. That's my, that's my mentor. I'm a student. And so he, he goes on to, 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 to share his testimony with them and, and notice that, 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 that they weren't opposing it. You know, even to the point where he said, look, man, I, I, I met Jesus on the side of the road. So their heart was open. You know, even when he shared with them that, that Jesus himself, you know, resurrected from the dead, appeared to him and spoke with them. Notice that, that, that they didn't stop right there and, say, and they didn't say, oh, wait a minute. Let me stop you right there. That can't be true. No, they received it with an open heart. But it wasn't until he said that Jesus told them, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. It wasn't until they heard the word Gentiles that all of a sudden something began to stir up against inside of them. Notice that. And verse 22 says, And they listened to him up until this word. What word? The word Gentiles. Hey, they listened to him up until he said that, that, that God called them to the Gentiles. Why? Because again, in, in their hearts, you know, in their hearts and in their upbringing, they thought, they believed, they were taught that, that God created the Gentiles for one reason and one reason only. And that is to feel the fires of hell. And so for them to, to, to now hear from Paul's mouth that, that, that God has called them you know, to the Gentiles so that, so that the Gentiles could be saved, man, they were outraged by it. And it says that they listened to him up until this word and they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. In verse 23, Then as they cried out and, and tore off their, their clothes and threw dust into the air, that's... They, they, they ripped their, their outer garments, you know, and just in a, in a display of just grief and sorrow. Verse 24, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he, so that he might know why they shouted so against him. Now, interesting that, that from that verse, from verse 24 and on all the way up until the, the end of the book of, of, of Acts, you know, uh, that, that's, verse 24 is actually the beginning of, of Paul's Roman custody. Up until this point of death. Verse 24. From verse 24 and on until the rest of the book of Acts. And really until the, until the end of his life. You know he's going to be in Roman custody. Starting right there in verse 24. And, and that's, how, that's how it ended. Man. Him telling them about God's call to the Gentiles. God calling on his life. You know and then all of a sudden he tells me. Hey, look man God has called me as a, as, a, as a minister to the Gentiles. They lost it. You know and because this, this uproar started. Now they're, they're going to take him into examination. He's going to be scourged. We'll read about it next week. He's going to be scourged, meaning he's going to be beaten, you know, so they can get the truth out of him. And that's going to, that's going to be his one-way ticket to, to Rome, you know, where he's going to die there under, under Roman custody, under Roman uh, house arrest. But from there, you know, it's, it's where he's going he's gonna to write his, uh, his, his, la his last letters to, to Timothy, the book of 2 Timothy, and just his last words, you know. And so Paul's going to continue his ministry in chains. Up until this point, he's been a free man. You know, he was uh, he was warned by the Holy Spirit that chains and tribulation awaited him. 
he knew what was coming to him, you know, and 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 just amazing that that he chose this suffering in order to so continue ministering. He could have chosen the easy route. He could have chosen the safe route, and maybe not been used as 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 much by the Lord. But instead, he chose suffering. He chose chains. And the book of Acts, at the end of the book of Acts, it tells us that that, that while Paul was in chains there at Rome, it says that people would come to visit them, visit him there 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 at Rome, and he continued his ministry from then on up until the point where he was beheaded. And that's the path that 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 Paul chose. That's the ministry that he chose. That's the calling that he chose. And 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 really, that's uh, the, the path that he took. Right? It didn't move him. You know, he knew that he knew what was coming to him, but yet he chose it out of love for his countrymen, out of, out of his love for sinners, really. You know, and out of his love for the Lord, hey Amen. He, he he chose to 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 go through with it, and we see that the Lord used him. The Lord used him mightily. You know, if you wouldn't have gone through with this, you know, we wouldn't have these awesome letters like Second Timothy, Titus, you know, and and all these awesome letters that he wrote while while he was there imprisoned. You know, Philippians, uh, Colossians, all these amazing letters, and that and that's again the end of his of his life as a free man. From then on, he's going to be in chains. So the rest of the Book of Acts. Uh, as we read it, we're going to read it from the perspective of Paul being in bondage, being, you know, in, in, in custody. We'll end it right there. Amen.